it's another episode of the ranting cast and i'm frank r curry this is episode 14 and with me today is walter he's from the charging buffalo but you know him better as saber metrics on twitter you see it right there you'll see it in the bottom line throughout promoting his twitter account walter how you doing today uh doing great thanks for having me on looking forward to talking about some hockey yeah, now with the season over and everything, we can start getting really into all the rumors and stuff, any news going on. We just had a big trade today, so we'll talk a little bit about that. But before before we do, let's start with how, with how the season ended. Colorado wins the Stanley Cup. They win six games over Tampa. They finally slay the beast that is in Tampa Bay Lightning in the playoffs. Uh, what was the biggest takeaway from the series for, for you? I mean, I think really just uh, Colorado game paid off for like all the hard work they've done throughout the season. I mean, all the work their GM Joe Sackick put in and building that team. I think to finally see them get rewarded with the Stanley Cup is definitely awesome to see. And I also think the way that team was built is going to provide a blueprint for some other NHL teams uh, looking to build a cup contender going forward. I mean, obviously, they got a bunch of their top pieces through high draft picks. They did a fantastic job supplementing those high draft picks with just really savvy trades and free agent signings. And I think we'll see a lot more NHL teams trying to look for those like Devontae's deals or those Andre Burakovsky signings uh, going forward. Yeah, and you're gonna want and it really you really wonder how much a guy like Valnichuchkin's gonna get in free agency too, with how well he played throughout the playoffs. And even Nazem Kadri as as well. He had a career year and everything. He He's going to be one of the top free agents, probably one of the top centers uh, going into free agency. So you have to wonder where where does Colorado spend the money that they have because they have the cap space to re-sign a bunch of guys. But this is the this is now where they're eligible to sign McKinnon to an extension as well. That's going to make a big impact on what on what their future is going to look like. So you wonder where they're going to spend their money and who who stays, who goes whether Nijushkin re-signs. I think I, I say I think Lekkinen's gonna re-sign as well, which was another savvy trade that the Avalanche made. Um he since he's an RFA, that'll be a little bit easier to get to come for him to come back to. So maybe Nichushkin leaves as a result. I know uh Burkowski's been a favorite as a guy that maybe the Sabres should try to go after. I'm not sure. But fine, but we'll see. Um I think my biggest takeaway from that was Colorado effectively in the third period of game six beat Tampa at their own game. They, I, I really felt like they, they were forcing the lightning to dump the puck in the whole time in that third period. And the lightning couldn't forecheck because they're, they're just too injured and they're too slow. And Colorado's defense is so it was already fast enough. And they're just such a fast team that they can make an outlet pass before tamping has a chance to forecheck. It's something that, and then, Anytime Tampa has an opportunity, they're blocking shots. And that's exactly how Tampa's always closed out the series. So it really felt like Tampa just got played at their own game by a team that's just faster than them. And obviously the injuries that they had, you, we saw the whole list of them uh, after the after game six. I mean, Hagel yeah. was hurt. Sorelli was hurt. McDonough was hurt. Kucherov obviously point only played two games in the series. So you had a bunch of guys who were just dealing with a bunch of stuff. And even Colorado was dealing with a bunch of stuff too. We saw Natushkin was hurt, uh, was limping in before game six, but it just, it just all finally boiled over Tampa, but I don't think they're done. I think they could come back next year and win. And I think we we're still talking about a dynasty for them. I don't think the dynasty talk should be over for Tampa one bit. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, three straight cup appearances in the salary cap era is just remarkable. And I think, yeah, I mean, I think just with what they've done so far, I think that may be enough to call them a dynasty. But yeah, I mean, right when you think they're out, right when you think uh, their core pieces are getting a little bit older, I mean, they always just come right back up. And I mean, it's just an unbelievable team. Yeah, and so now, at least with the cup being over, now we're in the offseason. Now we've got the draft coming up in a couple weeks. Uh, we got in a week actually. Uh, free agencies in a couple weeks now too. Uh, we're gonna we're starting to see some news. We're starting to see rumors pop up and everything. And we just had a big trade happen today. So for anybody anybody who missed it, Minnesota traded Kevin Fiala to the LA Kings for Brock Faber and the 19th pick in this year's draft. Um, what did you think of the trade initially? I thought, I mean, honestly, I thought the return was pretty solid, but it wasn't as high necessarily as I thought what, uh, Minnesota would receive in that deal. But I mean, I'm a big fan of Brock Faber. I think his value is definitely a lot higher than many around the league perceive it to be. I just think he's going to be an incredible defenseman for a really long time. Right-handed shot too, which is an inherently valuable position in the NHL, uh, and the draft pick too. I mean, they could get a player there, but I think I think Brock Faber is going to be the main piece in this deal going forward. And I mean, really, with the amount of money that Kevin Fiala got by Los Angeles, like nearly eight million, mm-hmm. uh, Minnesota, I think, was a little handcuffed in what they could have got in a trade return because he's a guy that kind of had to move. And uh, I mean, I think I think it's a good trade for both teams. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. I, I think both teams did really well in this. Um, you, you mentioned, I think Faber is the main piece, you know, they get a they get a top 20 pick as well, which is good. You know, you get a guy, maybe you, sign, you hopefully sign him. And that's just another ELC guy that Minnesota is going to need. They're going to need a lot of cheap contracts with uh, the dead cap that they have from the Suter Parise buyouts. Um, I think this, the value makes a lot of sense just because what leverage did Minnesota really have because of all that dead cap? They weren't in really a position to where they could ask for a ton from from other teams. I mean, you get what you can get, really, as, at that point. You have to prioritize getting, you know, young, cheap players, essentially. And they're essentially getting two in, the, in this one. And they're getting one high-end guy as well. I mean, that defense, that right-side defense from Minnesota all of a sudden – Look, it's going to look a lot better in the next couple of years. I mean, Dumba, I think, is a free agent next year, so they may not they may not bring him back as a result of this because they now with Faber in the fold, they still have Carson Lambos, who they drafted, um, I think, last year, two years ago. They still have Kalen Addison from the Zucker trade. So, like, there's three there's three guys potentially in the next like four three four years that are going to be on your right side and rights. The right shot D is the most valuable to one of the most valuable spots on on a hockey team. So you get a, get as many guys as you can. And luckily for LA, they had a bunch of them already. So I think I thought the trade made a ton of sense and for LA as well. I mean, another bona fide top six player to, in your, to go with already with Kopitar, with Philip Denal, with Byfield, with uh, Kupari, with Kaliev as well. And Arvidsson, LA is a team that now they're looking and thinking, we can compete with in this in the division. We all they almost beat Edmonton. They had a shot. They went to seven, you know, they were up three games to two in that series. They just need a little bit more juice. And they're getting a big guy with uh Fiala guy who had 85 points last season. 
Yeah, I mean, it's pretty amazing. Uh, I mean, with LA's rebuild, I mean, they kind of got helped out a lot by like Kopitar still being a high-end player and some of their older players still being uh, key contributors on that team. But yeah, I mean, so many young pieces. I mean, all these young pieces are joining an already playoff caliber team. I mean, I really like what they're building out there. And it's not like Fiala is an older guy too. He's only 25. Yeah. So he fits, he fits their window. He fits their, he fits everything that they have and what they need as well. It makes, I thought LA made a ton of sense to, as a guy, as a team that was going to get a, another top six forward and they get a, they get a really good one and we'll see how much of that contract holds up. Obviously. I mean, you can't, it's, it's hard to expect Fiala to have another 85 point season, but if he's a, I mean, if he's, let's say, you know, based on his recent history, I mean, if, you're, if you get 60 points out of Fiala, I think maybe 65, I think it's worth it, especially with what you have already there. Yeah, I mean, I think just what he could contribute at five on five, I think he's just going to be a fantastic piece for them. And you're also getting rid of the, some of those older veteran contracts too. Those will mm-hmm. slowly come off the books throughout that Fiala contract. So, I mean, maybe it won't be too bad of a deal for the Kings. No, they'll, they're going to be a very, very interesting team going forward, especially with other guys that they have to re-sign as well. So there's that. There's obviously going to be a bunch of other rumors going around uh, especially pre-draft, and we'll see how much of it the Sabres were in. We do know that I, th- I think it's with the way everything sounds like the Sabres were in on Fiala. They, I wonder what kind of offer they had to made, assuming that they were really trying to push to get him. Um, and one where LA or LA's package of favor and the 19th was just too much for Minnesota not to take, and whatever the Sabres might have offered as well. I don't know. I do. I have read that the Sabres ran on Fiala. I, I, I do wonder, but we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll know that whenever. And they're in on, a, they're in on everything, really. That's basically what we've heard. They've heard they're in on a forward. Well, we know that with Fiala, we will see what happens with other players. They have been in on. They're going to be in on defensemen. We know they need a right shot guy, probably for like the third pairing, maybe second pairing. And we know they need at least, at least a goalie, maybe probably two goalies. Really, they don't have any goalies signed next season. So we'll see what happens with the uh, goaltending situation. Um, real quick, before we start getting into the draft stuff, what do you think the Sabres are gonna should do, or what do you think they're gonna do in the goaltending position for next year? I mean, a lot of the Anderson talk that came out yesterday with Kevin Adams' interviews, I think that was kind of just, I don't know, just like kind of formalities between the two. I mean, it doesn't mm-hmm. sound like they're actually like serious about Anderson coming back next season. I mean, I think if they were, you'd already uh, see him sign to a contract for next year. And then, I mean, in that uh, same interview, he also talked about looking for kind of a short-term guy, like a two-year gap guy Mm -hmm. to uh, kind of fill in in the goaltending position there. And I just don't uh, picture Anderson as being that guy since he's already 41 years old. I would take him to nearly 43 years old as a two-year guy. So I think they're definitely going to be – a key player in the free agent market. The fact that they're looking for a shorter term deal, like a two year deal is interesting because I think a lot of the goalies in the market this off season, especially the semi younger guys will get probably three, four year deals. I'm not sure if that would be or more. a deal breaker. Yeah. Or more too. So I'm not sure if that's going to be a deal breaker for Kevin Adams. Cause it's interesting that he brought up that two year thing. Cause I'd imagine guy like Campbell might get more than two years. Billy Huso maybe more than two years, but I could see him settling for two. So 
maybe they're looking like that veteran goalie range with like a Braden Holpe or someone like that. There's someone I could see possibly getting a two-year deal, but it's definitely going to be interesting. I mean, he obviously has a ton of faith in the young goaltenders in the system with like UPL, mm-hmm. Eric Portillo, who it's still a question if he even signs in a Devin Levi, who had just an incredible season in college. Yep. I mean, the odds are in the Sabres' favor for at least one of those guys to pan out, uh, if, uh, especially if all the college guys are signed. So, I mean, Kevin Adams seems confident. Maybe this confidence could kill him in the end in terms of goaltending uh, if these young guys never pan out. But I do expect the Sabres to make a move this offseason for a starting goaltender. Yeah, it's all just going to be based on who that is. Um I the way everything I've heard, especially out of the Toronto market, has been Campbell wants effectively what Markstrom got from Calgary. And I don't think the Sabres are in a position to be giving that. I don't know how many teams are even going to want to do that, too. I mean, the Leafs are going to need a need a starting goalie because Campbell's a UFA. Now with now Colorado winning the cup, they're still going to need a starting goalie as well because they only have Francois signed. Kemper's a UFA now. Maybe that's a guy who the Sabres could look at and get on get on a two year deal because Kemper is in is I believe thirty two or thirty three years old, so he's not he's not a guy who's going to sign a long term deal. Um, now he has his cup, so you wonder maybe if he you get a little overpayment with him, um, give him a little raise from what he had from what he made uh, last season on a shorter term deal. That might be the match right there, if anything. Um, and then you wonder where Colorado's going to end up going in that too, because they they're they're probably a team that would go after Campbell at that at that point. Um, Huso, same thing. I it really just I think it's that's just a matter of what do they do with Bennington, and what does St. Louis really think of Bennington? Um, and yeah, I mean, I just I don't know what the what the goalie market's going to look like. It really just a matter of until someone signs. Really, I love the Holpe idea. I just don't know if. If the, if he's going to want to go that route as well, then that's the other thing is you got to attract the free agent here. There's no guarantee they sign. Yeah, I mean, really, every offseason you see the goalies, it's really just a game of musical chairs. I mean, because like every team only really has two spots for a goaltender, only one starting position. So mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of interesting players in this year's market. I mean, obviously, you have Edmonton, Colorado, Toronto. Those are three teams that really can't compete with the Sabres in terms of like money offered. I mean, they can't compete by offering more of a win now scenario, maybe better money in the future. But yeah, I mean, you got a team like New Jersey too. That's probably on a similar level as the Sabres. They're also looking for a goalie. They also have cap space. So I think it's really going to boil down to like what these guys can get. Maybe one of the main guys on the market kind of gets left behind and, the Sabres are able to snag them on a two or so year deal. I mean, it's really probably the most unpredictable market in uh, the hockey offseason is a goaltending market. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, how Kevin Adams uh, navigates his way through this market and uh, who the Sabres end up with in that next season. Yeah, and you wonder based on the money if any teams are going to be looking at just trying to go with more of a 1A, 1B uh, tandem and I have to say that's some the Sabres are probably going to do but you just wonder how many other teams are going to look at that as well and just say I think maybe that's the route we go you know I look at St. Louis as potentially that I look at Toronto as that um, maybe Colorado depending on who they sign because we know they really do like Franco a lot uh, and Edmonton is as well those uh, all teams I think that could 
look and try to just get two goalies in who could just be one A one Bs, and you're looking at probably signing two mid mid tier level goal level goalies. I don't obviously Dallas isn't going to do that because they have Jake Ottinger, so they're just going to try to sign at least a decent backup if anything. Um, but yeah, I really wonder what the goalie market's going to look like and who the Sabers target. I would, I guess, I would say my preference would be Darcy Kemper just because I think the age works well and the the because of the age the term will work well you could give him a little raise um if i look at his contract his recent contract looking at it really quick his last contract was uh two years at nine million so that's cap hit of four and a half and so if you get so like give him a little raise there you go that might be that like i think that might be the perfect match right there yeah, I mean, Kemper is definitely an interesting piece. I mean, obviously coming off a of cup win. And I mean, there's been a ton of talk about how like Colorado kind of won in spite of their goaltending. But I mean, Kemper put up some fantastic performances in the finals. I mean, he had a few rocky starts, but he's had some great seasons, especially back when he was on the Arizona Coyotes. Mm-hmm. So I think there could definitely be something there with Kemper. I mean, obviously it boils down to if he's interested in coming to Buffalo and what term he's interested in. But yeah, he'd absolutely be a guy I'd be interested in. He was really good in the regular season too. I remember Um, just, Hey, yeah, yeah. He struggles in the playoffs. That's about it. He was great in game six though. He made, he made the saves he needed to. And that's all, that's all that Colorado was asking for. And that's sometimes that's all you really have to ask for out of your goalie. Now, what now we're going to talk about the right shot D market as well. But before that, uh, we got to also remember today's show brought to you by Dinosaur Barbecue and John and Mary's. We're going to take a quick ad break. We'll be right back. Back here on the ranting cast, Frank R. Curry, Walter, who is at Sabermetrics on Twitter, works for the Trojan Buffalo. They also got their uh, draft guide com- coming out on uh, July 3rd. That you guys just tweeted that out a couple, few hours ago today. So can't wait for that. Really excited. Really excited for the draft as well. Three first-round picks for the Sabres. We'll talk a little bit more about that uh, towards the end of the show. But for now, we were talking about the goalie market. What do you think the Sabres can do? Let's go with the right shot D market as well, or the D market in general. Um, the Sabres are going to be in the market for another defenseman, whether that's a top four guy, whether that's more of a third pairing guy, you know, with probably Darlene moving to the right side, per- hope maybe permanently next season. Hopefully you still, you have power, you have Samuelson on the left side. Maybe Bryson stays on the left side as well. You know, obviously you got other guys coming up like Ryan Johnson. We all know Yoki Haru is on the right side. There's an open spot there. Um, Walter, what do you think the Sabres are going to do for the for that position? I mean, I think it really boils down to how much confidence uh, Kevin Adams and the coaching staff has in Owen Power next season and really kind of what they think of Henry Yoki Haru. I mean, I know Yoki Haru, he's a guy who kind of struggled a lot last season. Uh, didn't really do much on the offensive side and defensively. He gave up a ton of opportunities against. And I know he was a guy they paired with Owen Power towards the end of the season, but despite that pair putting up decent results, I think it was kind of clear that maybe they weren't the best match. But, I mean, also the fact that Owen Power was paired with Yoki Haru and put up those incredible results, I think, is pretty remarkable. 
And I mean, maybe that shows uh, Kevin Adams that he's a guy that can really play with anybody. I mean, even if they're not the greatest defender, I mean, even though Owen Power's 19, he could still play alongside a guy like Yoki Haru. So I think maybe that opens up the market to the Sabres where they think maybe we don't need a certain type of defenseman to fill in this role. Uh, maybe we even try to find an offensive defenseman to uh, fill in the right-hand side next to Owen Power. And I mean, yeah, the Darlene thing, like you said, with him moving to the right-hand side, I think that's also going to play a big role as well. Uh, do the Sabres roll with the samuelson Darlene, uh pairing again? Or maybe they try to move Darlene back to the left-hand side and kind of try to uh, add Samuelson maybe to a pair with Yoki Haru. I mean, it's just so many combinations that could happen. I mean, it's obvious that they're going to need to add a defenseman or two, especially a right-hand shot. One guy, I mean, one guy I really like, if the Sabres want to part ways with maybe one of their late first rounders is a guy like John Marino in Pittsburgh, a younger defenseman uh, signed to a contract where he makes about 4 million per for the next few seasons. I think he's someone who could like kind of seamlessly fit into how the Sabres play. Uh, I think he's a great puck retrieval guy, which the Sabres desperately need. Uh, I think he can maybe even be a partner with Darlene. So, He's a player I would look into. I mean, in terms of just unrestricted free agent guys, uh, obviously I think P.K. Subban, I think he could be a great piece, not only on the ice, but also kind of in the community as well. I mean, we've seen everything his brother has done here, even though he's only played three games here. I mean, he obviously really values the Western New York community. I mean, really any community he's played in. So it could be cool. I mean, if, Maybe if Malcolm Saban's a Sabres third string goalie next season, maybe they could kind of lure in PK Saban here because I think he could be a great partner for a guy like Owen Power. I think he could really roll out like a fun offensive pairing there. And then uh, I guess you got Josh Manson, uh, Colorado guy, more of a defensive defenseman. Uh, maybe he's a player the Sabres look to if they decide they want to pair Power or one of their more offensive minor defensemen with more of a defensive minor defenseman. So, I think there's definitely options on the market this offseason. Maybe not the greatest options, but I think there's definitely moves to be made. Yeah, you wonder just how much money they're willing to spend uh, on the on the market on the defenseman, and it, it works the same way with the goalies. Obviously, they traded for Ben Bishop's contract just to help them get to the cap floor a little bit more, but. I I was always like kind of intrigued by the Subban idea in a way where. I could see it working out, but I could also see it ending in a disaster as well, just because of how, just because of the play style, you know, you wonder, do they want more of a defensive guy? Do they want an offensive guy and just try to push the pace every night? Um, I'm looking at the UFA market right now on cap friendly. And obviously I think the sexy pick would, would be try to lure Chris Letang here, but I don't really think that's going to happen. Um, you have John Klingberg. I don't really know if he's a fits and he's going to want a long-term deal as well. So I don't really think that's going to work anyway. I think a guy that really interests me is Ilya Labushkin from Toronto. Um, oh yeah. He's a guy who he's more of a defensive minded uh, player. He would fit comfortably on that third pair, especially if you pair him with a Bryson, Jacob Bryson, and maybe you move him up to play with Owen Power if he needs to, and that would allow Power to maybe excel more offensively in that case. Um, and he's a he's a guy who's not going to command a lot of money on the open market, and he's, he's still young, like youngish. I mean, he's twenty eight right now, 
So that fits a lot better than signing PK Subban, who's 33, or signing Chris Letang, who's 35. Even guys like Justin Braun, who's 35, you know, I think Labushkin just fits a lot better in that in that sense as well, if you, especially if you get him in like a two to three year deal. Yeah, I mean, that's a definitely an interesting name. I mean, fantastic defensive defenseman. I think he's absolutely a guy the Sabres could be looking for. I mean, yeah, like you brought up the Latang and Klingberg things. I mean, I think just with what the Sabres have, I mean, like two first overall pick defensemen, I just don't know how much more money they're willing to invest on the right-hand side of the defense. Uh, I mean, obviously they could play with these top guys, but I mean, kind of the point of drafting defensemen first overall is that you don't need to invest $9 million per season on a guy they have to play with. And I also don't think you really want to take puck touches away from a guy like uh, Darlene and even Power. So I know there's been some talk among Sabres fans like, oh, let's try to bring in Latang. Let's try to bring in a guy like Klingberg. But Mm -hmm. both those guys, older defensemen, going to command a ton of money. So I think, yeah, I think Sabres will definitely be looking towards kind of like those mid-tier guys like your Ilya Labushkins, kind of just to fill out the lineup. I mean, I think the Ben Bishop trade, I think that kind of kind of signaled out to Sabres fans a little bit that we're probably not going to be going like more than $10 million over the cap floor. Otherwise, that right. Bishop deal kind of would have made no sense. So it looks like they're mm-hmm. still trying to plan to hover just a little bit over that cap floor, probably – somewhat similar to last season just with the bishop contract replacing the boy chuck contract so i mean but i mean like we talked about earlier the fiala trade how the sabers were a name that were brought up in that uh that's interesting because he obviously got signed to nearly an eight million dollar per year contract so who knows what the sabers plans are this offseason i mean it's almost impossible to read at this point it is really and and that I wonder if they're just feeling out what the market's looking like and gauging their interests and just seeing, you know, what's it going to take to get like another top scorer here to, to help move along uh, their core that they have now. I mean, I, I think I saw earlier, I don't remember who it was from. It said like a comparable for Faber and the 19th pick for Fiala for the Sabres wise is probably uh, like Paterka and pick 16. Yeah. So are you if you're willing to do that, I mean, I guess go ahead and, you know, make the offer and see if Minnesota bites on it. But if if that's something that you're just not willing to do, then I don't really see any point in signing like in signing or trading for another top guy. If you're just going to, you know, keep either like Quinn or Paterka down in Rochester next year, it, it, just, it just feels like they want both those guys. And and obviously Krebs will be up here, too. They want all of them up here next season ASAP just to get them in the NHL, just to get them, just to mold them into the core and let and let everything grow as natural as possible. Yeah, I think that's definitely going to be the interesting thing this offseason. I mean, because Adam said, I mean, they're on the market for a forward, either top six or bottom six, but they're so filled with, uh, I mean, just with the new guys coming in and the guys they still have under contract from last year that, I mean, without making any moves in that group, I just have a hard time finding how they're going to make room for, I mean, all these players, unless they scratch a guy that played significant minutes last year, or like you said, keep one of the guys like Paterka or Quinn in the AHL, which I really can't I see happening. See yeah. yeah. So it's going to be, it's going to definitely going to be interesting. I mean, 
I'd love to see uh, like Quinn and Paterka obviously in like top six roles, but I mean, there's only uh, there's only four top six wing spots, so it's going to be interesting mm-hmm. to see how they position these guys in the lineup, and I mean how to make sure they can be effective each night and it can also uh, develop as well. Yeah, I I I, can't, I really wonder if uh, Middlestead is that odd guy out. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I could I could see that. I mean, he was primed to have a breakout year. He played well at the end of the 2021 season, and injuries just really derailed him. So you wonder if, like, maybe that fresh start is just something he needs. But and then you you trade for a guy who's gonna come in and fill that role as well. Um, but like, and it's like you have Skinner, you have Tuck, you you're el- you could give Tage a new a, a new extension uh, this summer as well. So that's why I think like they're not going to spend a ton of money because maybe they're thinking they're going to get Tage on a, they have to resign Tage to a decent deal. So maybe you get him at a good contract for long-term um, Dylan cousins is, is eligible for an extension to this summer. Even Rasmus Asplund, you could give an extension to if you really want to, um, you know, and obviously after that next year you have, uh, and you could also get, you also have, to, you could also give Darlene an extension to and Yoki Haru. They're both eligible. So you wonder just how much they're gonna have looking. They're looking to spend on those guys, and how much that's gonna impact, you know, whatever kind of free agents they're looking for. I think that's why short term just makes a lot of sense for them right now. Yeah, I mean, I really think, yeah, Tage Thompson. I mean, I think his next contract, as long as he doesn't have a huge drop off from his production uh, last season, I think that contract could be, I mean, like massive. I mean, we're talking yeah. about a six foot seven center who. Uh, had a 38 goal season. So I think he's definitely going to get paid a uh, pretty penny. And then, I mean, Dylan cousins, this season's definitely going to be huge in determining mm-hmm. what his contract is. I think if he has a slight improvement on what he did last season, I think we'll maybe see him like maybe like a four, four year deal, three year deal, uh, like around like 4 million, four, 5 million per like a bridge deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because I'm not sure he'd be willing to go, long term if he has uh, that much confidence that he can improve but i mean if he has say he's like the second line center i mean sabers put together viable second line next year and he has like a 60 70 point season i think we could be looking at a longer term deal for him too so much longer yeah yeah so i mean next season could make dylan cousins a lot of money if he's given the right opportunities uh, it seems like every season the Sabres have the chance to put together a decent second, third line, and it never seems to work out. But maybe this is a season it happens. Yeah. Now, when you include Krebs, when you include Quinn and Paterka in that mix, it really opens up a lot more of what you can do in that middle six, assuming you're keeping the Skinner Tuck uh, Thompson line the same. Yeah. I mean, I think that line. That line just works so well, and I think that line will be huge for Tage Thompson's next contract because I think they keep that line together. I think Tage could definitely put together a similar season that he had last season. So, I mean, we've seen Tage still be effective on lines away from those two, but I just not sold that he could put together like a 38-goal season like he did last year unless he's put in kind of like that great scenario that he was in with uh, Tuck and Skinner. Yeah, and regression's always gonna hit and you want and you wonder the same thing with Skinner too, who's a 30 goal guy this year, and he's always been a guy who would have 30 goals one year and then like 20 the next. So 
you wonder where where that regression is going to come in. And yeah, you you never know what the line combinations are going to be, but you want to have as many guys who who even sometimes play similar, who you can just put in and mix and match wherever and find find the combinations that work any given night. I mean, having Skinner and Tuck and Quinn and uh, Asplin and Paterka and who knows who else um, coming in and maybe Krebs uh, stays on wing and they find another center or they move Krebs to center and and who knows if Middlestat's here as well, if he's on center or if he plays wing. And you never know. I mean, but you have all these combinations that you can work with and you still have Akposo and Gergensen's as well, probably for that fourth line. Um, you never know. And you, but having all these, I, I just think having all these options is what you want to do when you're a rebuilding team, when you're really trying to build up uh, a core and build up hope for your fan base have as many first off it's have as many young guys as you ha- can on the team that way you have guys who ha- can help relate to the fans and you ha- can help grow with the fans and with with everybody and who's who you think's going to be here for a long time that's i always think that that's the, that's the first key and now they're finally doing that and it's, i think it's going to start paying off sooner rather than later at least we'll we'll see we'll see what happens and this summer's still going to indicate what's what that's going to look like especially with what they do in goal yeah because i mean i think this is really kind of the first savers team in a while where they really kind of have to work to like kind of like rebuild that trust in the community kind of rebuild that fan support Mm -hmm. uh i mean because i mean with all the bad seasons they had i mean you can only live off like those 2006 2007 seasons for so long i mean there's kind of a whole new generation of fans that are i mean 17 18 years old that probably don't even remember a Sabres playoff game or a Sabres playoff win. So, I mean, they pretty much have to work on building a whole new generation of fans. And I think Kevin Adams, I think, could be a great guy for that job. I mean, he seems to really value uh, players that love playing Buffalo, that love playing this community. And, I mean, just seems like a fun group. I mean, the locker room seems great, even though they're not a playoff team. And I think it's just just a great environment for these young guys to come into. And I mean, really kind of build on what they did last season and I mean, hopefully push for a playoff spot. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Before we end the show, uh, I said earlier, you got you guys at the Charging Buffalo just released your draft guide, everything when it comes to this year's draft. Um, talk about that a little bit and then we'll end, we'll, we'll also end the show with uh, what do you think the Sabres do with their three first round picks? Okay, I mean, yeah, the Charging Buffalo draft guide. Uh, it's coming out July 3rd. I mean, us at the Charging Buffalo team put in a ton of work in the guide. I mean, a lot of guys spend a ton of time scouting. I mean, both for that draft guide and I mean, for their respective websites. Like, I know we have guys at FC Hockey and mm-hmm. uh, Smart Scouting and places like that. So it's definitely great to see that all come together. I mean, it's a great draft guide for any Sabres fans because we uh, kind of try to tie a lot of the sections back to what we think the Sabres will do. And I mean, yeah, going into that with what I think the Sabres will do with the draft, I mean, I think they got a ton of options of what they can do. Uh, I mean, my prediction at this point is I think they could go for kind of a safer pick at ninth overall. I mean, maybe like a guy like Marco Casper, Mm -hmm. uh, someone that you just know kind of projects as somewhat of a power forward at the NHL level. I mean, his game's going to be 
effective in the NHL no matter what. I mean, I think it's just a question whether that will be on a first-line role, second-line role, third-line role. I think he's a guy who could slot anywhere. And then I, I think with the 16th overall pick, I think we may see him kind of taking a swing on kind of like a talent bet, kind of like what they did with the Isaac Rosine pick uh, last draft. I mean, maybe they look at a guy like Brad Lambert, uh, maybe Danilo Yurov if he falls. I mean, maybe even Frank Nazar if he's a guy that falls far down to 16. I mean, Frank Nazar is a guy I take at nine, but it doesn't seem like he'll be going that high at this point. So maybe he's there for the Sabres at 16. And then with the 28th overall pick, uh, I think there's going to be just an abundance of right-hand defense options available. Uh, one guy I really like in that spot is uh, Sam Rinzel. Uh, played some games in the USHL this past season. Spent the majority of time playing high school in Minnesota. Definitely had a few performances that like weren't too impressive, but I mean, just kind of the skill set you're working with with this guy. I mean, really just with his size. I mean, with the way he's able to skate, kind of with the way he thinks the game. I think there's just a ton of moldable elements to his game that could make him an effective NHLer someday. And I think, I mean, in the latter half of the first round, I think that's a bet the Sabres should make uh, any day of the week. Yeah, I'm really interested what they're going to do with all three picks. Um, I love I love Nazar a lot as well. I would definitely take about nine if I could. Um, I'm quite curious as to what the top five is going to look like just in general because yeah. I think we're all assuming Shane Wright's going to go one. That's pretty easy. Uh, Slikovsky probably going two, likely. Yeah, um, I can see that. I can see Logan Cooley going second as well, but – who yeah. knows with New Jersey? They may even trade. I would be surprised if they traded the pick, but we'll, we'll, who knows? Um, uh, Seattle's at third, I believe, and they took Beneers last season. So I wonder if they go another forward again. So, like, they may take Cooley at that point if Slikovsky goes, or they might take Slikovsky if Cooley goes. But I wonder if they try to go for a franchise defenseman as well, and maybe they take uh, Simone Nemish who is my favorite player in the draft. I love the guy so much. I think he's going to step in next season right away and be in a top four role. And I, I wanted the Sabres to get him so bad. I mean, I thought he would have been amazing to go in that decor with Darlene and power, but yeah, where they're picking, I just don't see that. I just don't see that happening. Cause I think he's a top five pick. Um, even, uh, uh, who is it? Uh, Juracek, Dave, David Juracek, the other right top right shot D. I don't really see him drop it, going up to the Sabres at nine as well, just because I think he's going to go somewhere in that top eight. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely a guy. I mean, maybe with the way the draft unfolds, I mean, maybe, I mean, with a guy like Cutter Goche uh, mm-hmm. shooting up the board late in the year, I mean, Marco Casper as well shooting up the board. Maybe like a guy like Juracek, maybe he's a guy that, falls to the Sabres and I think they're definitely presented with the interesting situation there and I think I mean if one of those right-handed defensemen fall at nine I mean I know I talked about earlier about how they shouldn't invest too much in the right-hand side but I think in terms of just a draft pick at ninth overall with what those two players bring to the table I mean I, I'd be all for drafting either of them at nine if you're looking, they happen you're look, to fall you're looking at the value just being too good to pass up there yeah um, even, even same thing with a guy like Matthew Savoy falls. I look at the same thing and like the value would just be too good to pass up if he's available at nine. I think Savoy should be a top five pick in this draft as well. That's, that's a guy who I can see 
I could potentially see Seattle taking at four. I could see Philly taking him too. Um, I just, I wonder where he fall, where he ends up going. If he falls to the Sabres at nine, I'd be jumping for joy to get him. Um, I want to ask you about a particular prospect though, before we, before we now, before we end the show, because he's been, he's gauged my interest a little bit earlier in the year. And he's a big, he's a, he's another big guy, but he's one who I, I, you know, I worry he reminds me a lot of Kirby doc in a way. And that's Connor geeky. Um, He's a guy who I, I wouldn't be upset if they took him at nine at nine or not nine at 16, just because it's that swing. It's that, you know, you take your chance on a guy and you hope that maybe he hits his potential when in your system, um, you, you know, you had mentioned, uh, Brad Lambert in that spot. I wonder about Connor geeky in that spot. Yeah. I mean, geeky is definitely a guy that's very interesting because, I know a ton of NHL teams were very high on him to kind of start like the draft process this season. I mean, the start of the WHL season, but obviously he didn't really make the strides that, I mean, most NHL scouts kind of hoped he would make uh, during this season. Uh, so I think, I mean, he's a guy that could maybe slide on draft day. I mean, maybe he's available at 16. I just think, I mean, he's obviously not the greatest skater. I mean, that's really yeah. the biggest drawback on his game but i mean a very smart player defensively kind of just a just a good overall hockey player despite the skating limitations uh i think i think just his year this season the whl i mean the fact that he struggled to really like dominate uh kind of like how you'd expect someone his size with his draft status to dominate i think that's kind of what holds him back a little bit but i think there's a ton of projectable traits in his game i mean i think he's going to be an nhler no matter what i think it's really just how far that offense will take him to determine what role he'll be in the nhl but i mean i think if you get a guy like geeky at 16 i mean i think i'd take that any yeah, day of the week yeah you wonder if he can if he at some point in in his future would have that maybe that tage thompson tage thompson ish blow up or he's just like Logan Brown, really. I mean, it's it's yeah. Some, yeah it's gonna it's probably gonna be somewhere there. Um, I bring him up just because, yeah, it's the skating obviously is a big setback for him. But Matthias Samuelson's skating wasn't always the greatest when he was drafted. Even he was drafted in the second round uh, in 2018, and he gets into the Saber system. He he improves. He gets a lot better. And now look at him. He's one of our top one of the Sabres top defensemen now he's a core part of their defense going forward so I wonder if maybe you strike you can try to swing for the fences twice now and strike gold with geeky in the same way yeah I mean I think yeah I think Samuelson and geeky I mean in terms of what they could do in the NHL I think just with uh just with their smarts kind of in the defensive end of the game I think both of them I mean will be I mean Samuelson already is uh NHLers no matter what the thing with geeky is just kind of what his ceiling is, but I think at 16th overall, I mean, you're not really going to get like a guaranteed top six first line player. So I think in that range, I mean, I think I'm fine with the Sabres taking a swing on a guy and not really going for a safe pick in that range, because I think they now have the depth in the prospect pool to do so. I mean, obviously a ton of draft picks over these next three drafts to kind of fill in the gaps. So I think, the Sabres can maybe start getting a little more uh, risky with their picks. 
Yeah, just take take a swing on a guy and hope that your development system can turn him into a player that's going to play games for you for who knows how long. It's really all you can ask for uh, when it comes to drafting. Um, thank you so much for coming on, Walter. You can find him on Twitter at Sabermetrics. He's also with the Charge in Buffalo. Uh, we, I really appreciate you coming on this week. July 3rd, 10 a.m., the Charge of Buffalo's draft guy comes out. A ton of work was put into it, as Walter just said, especially stuff work that he put in. So we really appreciate it. It's free for everybody as well. That's the biggest thing. Once it's out, go go in there, check it out. If I, I'm reading the, reading the, reading the tweet, tweet right, 125-plus pages of draft stuff that you, can, you guys can read that we're all going to be checking out right before the NHL draft coming up that same week, actually. So it's going to be a heck of a lot of fun. Uh, like I said, Walter, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me. I had a great time talking about hockey and the Sabres. And we got with the draft coming up. And just it's fun, to, at least now that we can focus a lot of our time on the Sabres. You know, over the last couple months, it was, it's always the playoffs. Talk about the playoffs and the playoffs. Now we can really talk about the Sabres and what their future is going to look like. So... I'm Frank Arguri. That's Walter at Sabres Metrics on Twitter. If you're not on Twitter, get on Twitter and follow him because he's awesome. If you don't know, don't know his Twitter account, he's the one with Steve Hines as <laughs> his profile, which I, I appreciate. I love that so much. Uh, it's a great, great profile pick. Walter, thank you so much for coming on. And for the Rantycast, we will see you next week.